and welcome to the ER MBA show. My name's Noah. Thank you to all of you out there who are listening. There might be more of you out there in the world who aren't listening. So just want to give a quick shout out to my mom. Appreciate you for being a loyal listener. Um, basically, I'm going to be here for a few episodes with my friend Ezra. We've been texting, talking, watching everything to do with basketball for a while. And we probably think we're a lot smarter than we are. But we realized that it'd probably be fun for us and for whoever out there wants to listen to just hear what we have to say about basketball and the NBA specifically. So for now, what the goal is, is we're going to cover all of your favorite teams one by one, talk about their season, what's upcoming for them, what they should look forward to in the draft, contracts, free agency, and what their expectations are for next year. And we'll adapt, talk about draft stuff specifically, um, the finals specifically, I mean, we had great games from LeBron and the Clippers and the Nuggets recently, so we'll see where that takes us. But um, for now, yeah, once again, just thank you for tuning in. And today we're going to be talking about the Nets. And I know that the Nets are very near and dear to my co-host, Ezra. So I'll let him formally introduce himself. How you doing, Ezra? I'm doing well. I'm excited to get going on this, uh, this project that we started. Um, as Noah said, uh, we're both huge basketball fans. Um, just looking to learn a little, little more about the game, um, specifically the NBA, um, and share our opinion and knowledge. Um, I'm excited to get going. Awesome. So before we begin, one, one more shameless plug. Follow us on Twitter. All of our tweets are our own. They're fun. There are opinions. If you like them, great. If not, you can also give a response. So mine is NoahR56. And Ezra's is Ezra with two A's at the end, Levitt with two T's at the end. So shameless plug, but let's dive into the Nets. So in a shortened season because of Corona in 72 games, the Nets finished 35 and 37 um, and then were swept, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, they were swept by the Raptors. But it's OK because finally, for the one of the first times maybe in their history, the team in Brooklyn may have surpassed the other team, their close geographic rival, the Knicks, by quote-unquote stealing KD and Kyrie from them this offseason. Both didn't really play, so Kyrie only played about 20 games this year, and KD was coming off that Achilles injury. And throughout the season, they used a total of 24 players, and they used two coaches, but they just signed Steve Nash, had a strong showing in the bubble with Jock Vaughn, and a lot of encouraging and exciting things to come for the Nets. So I don't know, Ezra, what were your thoughts on the season? As you know, I, uh, I have strong opinions about the Nets. Um, by far my favorite team in the league. Um, been a Nets fan since they were in New Jersey. Um, growing up, went to a bunch of Nets games uh, at Continental Airlines Arena, Izod Center, all the many arenas they played in. And uh, there were some high expectations coming into the season, even without uh, Kevin Durant playing, there were some expectations for Kyrie to lead the team, definitely make the playoffs, maybe be in a higher position than they were, um, but definitely had some high expectations coming into the season. As you said, Kyrie only played 20 games, uh, had strong showings when he did play, scored 50 his first game of the season, which was the most exciting game I think I've ever watched in, uh, during the regular season, at least. There was so much hype and uh, expectation around Kyrie and if, he made that last shot. It would have been uh, would have been a thrilling way to end it. But otherwise, he did have a great season. He scored fifty um, 
another time. Uh, I forgot what team he was against, but he had 50 twice. Oh, it was against the Bulls. Shot 19 for 23 that game. Uh, that was also an unreal performance. So I'm looking forward to more of that when he comes back. But otherwise, I think without Kyrie, with Kyrie playing only 20 games, uh, they surpassed some people's expectations. Spencer Dinwiddie had a really strong season, uh, leading the team in a higher role than he expected. Um, Kyrie Silver blossomed toward the end, and it was exciting watching them in the bubble with a depleted roster. Um, playing well in their seeding games and then ultimately in the playoffs, even though they got swept. Yeah, I mean, for the listeners out there, um, all of that Kyrie talk, as much as it is facts, it also might be sort of a shot at me because earlier this week, Ezra and I got into sort of a heated argument about where we think Kyrie ranks in terms of, uh, you know, the greatest NBA players, but we'll just give it to him. He's a good player, one of the best scorers in the league. So... I know you talked a little bit about some of the other players on the team, but who do you think was the best player on the team overall this year? I think given uh, the situations, uh, how roles changed, given that the best players were out, I think Spencer Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie definitely had uh, the strongest overall season. He averaged 20.6 points, 6.8 assists, which is honestly more than I expected. Uh, he does take shots at the rim most often, so having a close to seven assists a game was pretty impressive. Uh, 3.5 rebounds, but as a point guard, that's nothing out of the ordinary. And only 2.7 turnovers per game, which are really with a really really high usage rate. Um, and then I also closed dear to my heart, Karis LeVert as a Michigan player. Uh, during the second half of the season, last 26 to 30 games of the season, uh, he really caught his rhythm. Although he was out, he has been injured. Um, decent amount the past couple of years, but once he came back and got into his rhythm, he was really special to watch. He had uh, 51 points away against Boston in the comeback win on national TV, which was special. He had 37 and a one-point loss at Toronto, and then most notably last game of the season against well, – last game of the regular season against Portland. Um, team fighting for their life had 37 and a one-point loss as well. Um, during – he struggled to get his rhythm a little bit, but I was really impressed with his uh, his play throughout the second half of the season. Oh, he also had a, a triple-double and a win against the Spurs, which was awesome to watch. Yeah, I think it was pretty crazy when we were watching that Portland game, the last game of the regular season in the bubble. All of a sudden, it seemed like everyone was like, wait, who is this guy? Where did he come from? And without Katie and Kyrie, the Nets probably didn't get as much love from the national media. And then all of a sudden, they just think that this guy appeared out of nowhere. But um, as Michigan fans, we know he's been around for a while. And I know that you love, love all the Nets players, and they're all your favorite, and you think they're all great. But if you could choose one, like the biggest disappointment, worst player of the year, um, given what you expected preseason, obviously, like injuries happen. So I don't think a normal person would say Katie or Kyrie, but what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, definitely was disappointed to not see Kyrie playing as much as I wanted him to. He has had some uh, injury trouble in the past. So although it was disappointing, I wasn't too surprised that he didn't play too much. He's also trying to stay healthy for when KD comes back, of course. Uh, but I think the biggest disappointment this year is Torian Prince. Uh, they gave him a contract in the offseason. He played 61 games, had a minutes race, 29 minutes a game. And he only shot 37.6% from the field. And the year prior, he shot 44%. And then shot 
33.9% from three this year and 39% dropping down from 39% the year before. So that's definitely a disappointment. Um, as a guy that's supposed to be there for three and D reasons, it's like a six, eight power forward. So a little undersized or small forward power forward, a little undersized needs to be hitting those shots um, consistently to get minutes. So definitely regressed from where we expected him to be. Yeah. And on, on another note, I think Kuruks, um, just watching the past two years, I think he was supposed to get some more minutes and he regressed to the point where he was getting zero minutes. So that was definitely a disappointment <laughs> as well. Yeah, I definitely agree on the uh, Torian Prince front, but two points I wanted to say first. I feel It felt like every Nets game that I watched, we would be texting and I would say, why does it look like whoever this guy is has no idea what he's doing on the basketball yeah. court? And that was Kuruks, and I didn't really know who he was. And every time I'm like, what is going on? Like, wh what is he doing? So I understand that. And then one thing that I wanted to shout out um, is what's pretty interesting is people often have been giving Trey Young a lot of slack for either one, having really awful players next to him, or two, just only really being a scorer and like not being a complete player. But maybe part of the reason why Prince regressed is he left playing playing with a player like Trey Young, who's, I think, averaged close to 10 assists so and has a lot of attention offensively. So maybe he didn't get as many open shots. Um, so in a promising note, like maybe with Katie and Kyrie, he could be better. I'm not so sure he'll still be on the team, but that's like a whole nother conversation. Um, and as a Mavs fan, people think that I automatically need to hate Trey Young. So just wanted to plug him there and say that he definitely does a lot of great things. Um, and then before we move on to the rest of the next season and looking ahead, I know you talked a lot about a bunch of exciting games. I just heard the number 50 fly around a few times. So I was just curious what you thought was the best moment and what are you most looking forward to um, for next year? Um, I think the best moment, I had two favorite moments. And it was, like you said, 50, I've been throwing 50 around. But uh, aside from that number, focusing on that number, I think the Levert 50-point game against Boston really solidified my belief that he could be a significant factor on the team next year. I mean, the term star was flying around in the next community. I don't think he's quite a star, um, but I do think he could be a really solid contributor. And that was really exciting to watch him take over that game. Um, KD tweeted out right after that game. That was a beautiful 50 vert. And I, I completely agree. With that. <laughs> and also the, the most exciting moment other than that was Kyrie's game against the Bulls. Um, it was, he was 11 for 11 in the first half. Um, I remember watching that game and actually it was the most electrifying scoring performance I've ever watched live. It was actually mesmerizing watching him with the basketball. And as a Nets fan, I really haven't seen that much in my years. I mean, the best player we've had in the past 10 years has been Paul Pierce, and maybe Darren Williams. So, uh, seeing that performance was definitely exciting. Made me look forward to the years ahead. Awesome. Yeah. I think maybe since 2004, this is probably the most, the highest expectations or best, probably better team than that time, but the best team you've had since. So with that, I know that I mentioned uh, at the top of the show that the Nets used 24 players this year. And I think you can only have like 15 players on a roster or something. So, but now heading into next year, now their season's over. I think they currently only have 11 players under contract um garrett temple who is a really good veteran and i think great locker room guy that like everyone around the nba loves 
um, has a team option. So we'll see what they do there. And then other than that, like the only real player that I think it's like a question about whether or not they should bring back is probably Joe Harris. The rest of them are probably expendable. I'm not sure like they they swing their big swing factor. So I was curious what you think about the Garrett Temple team option. What are your thoughts there? And how do you see, I know he's talked about it a little bit before, but what do you see going on with Joe Harris? Yeah, so like you said, uh, Garrett Temple is a team option. I think the Nets are going to decline that. Five million for his role, I think is a little much. Um, that minimum for a guy of his stature, I think it's going to be his 10th year in the league, not their 10th year in the league. Um, it'll be, he'll, I think he'll get paid 2 million for a vet minimum deal, which is great value. Um, I hope that's what they do is save some, save some dollars over the course of the summer. And then Joe Harris, uh, Sean Marks and Joe Tsai have been on the record the past couple weeks, past month saying that he's a priority for the off season. I think that he's going to be, um, re-signed. He'll, they'll pay him whatever he wants to be paid. I think he'll be somewhere in the $14 million range, $15 million range, taking a little bit of a pay cut of, from what he could get from other team. But um, I know Joe Tsai, one of the wealthiest owners in the league, he's willing to pay the luxury tax for a winning team. And Joe Harris has been here for the whole rebuild. So I think he's definitely a, a focal point going forward. Yeah, I mean, even with 11 players under contract only, they are still basically over the cap, which is not the end of the world. A lot of teams are over the cap, but it'll be interesting because I think that every team wants what they deem to be three and D players. And Joe Harris kind of fits that role. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of teams try and throw money at him. But if he's going to take the hometown deal and that's different, like I know we saw players like Otto Porter get crazy contracts or Tim Hardaway Jr. is making over 18 mil right now. And Joe Harris is probably arguably better than him. And so there's going to be a team like, I don't know, I don't hate to do this, but I, they always come to mind like the Kings might throw 20 million at him. Yeah. So it'll just be interesting to see if he's willing to take that um, that smaller deal, especially with like contending teams with Kyrie and Katie on big contracts. We've seen this with wherever LeBron goes, they end up signing all these guys on vet minimum deals. So like Jared Dudley right now, even though he hardly plays, but like players like that, Kyle Korver has been on championship teams left and right because he just takes the vet man um jr smith these Dion waiters contracts so it'll be interesting to see if any of those type deals end up coming the next way this offseason but just thinking about contracts i was curious uh what who do you think has like the like your favorite contract on the team and who's like gosh this contract is really awful yeah so uh first off i was i'm excited to have darren williams off the books we're paying him five million dollars this year which is pretty ridiculous um so i'm excited for that um but i think the best contract he has is definitely spencer dinwiddie um he's making 10 to 12 million dollars a year over the next three years and i think that's absurd value um he's um he's averaging 20 game like we said before and when kd Kyrie come back he'll obviously have less of a role but he's definitely an extremely important player um and also good trade value if they want to get rid of him um, the worst player is definitely worst contract we have is definitely Torian Prince. Um, he got pay he got paid this summer. Um, he's going to be making thirteen million dollars next year, close to fourteen million. He's definitely not worth that. They projected him to be worth that, but he clearly regressed as we spoke about before. Um, 
So that's that's definitely my least favorite contract. On the yeah, one thing that I noticed that I thought was interesting is DeAndre Jordan and Spencer Dinwiddie are probably ma- are making around the same amount of money. But I think that if you were to look at what that contract really means, it's essentially we paid Kevin Durant's contract plus ten million for K- KD because he wanted to play exactly. with DeAndre Jordan. So exactly. you kind of just say whatever, like. If you're going to average 10 rebounds a game and try, like, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. And I agree. It's really unfortunate. I mean, sometimes it happens, but Torian Prince was just the worst case scenario essentially mm-hmm. happened for him. So with 11 players on the roster and sort of trying to contend for a championship, the expectations are probably going to be that you contend for a championship, even if you don't sign anyone. But I was curious what you think um, the team needs this offseason, whether that be through the draft, free agency trades, just like the type of player you would want to see the Nets bring in to sort of solidify their roster, take them to whatever you think the next level is. Yeah, definitely. Um, so like you said before, every team, every championship team, every team in the league is looking for three and D guys, um, whether that's through the draft, free agency or trades. Um, but aside from that, I think defense is going to be a real strong point for the Nets um, improving defense this offseason. Uh, they haven't been great on defense. KD and Kyrie are two of the most electrifying scorers in the league, but not the best defenders. Uh, KD's a good defender. Well, who knows what his mobility will be? So definitely improving on the defensive end, especially in the the power forward area. Um, guarding big guys, we've struggled with uh, defending big, strong big men like Embiid. Um, even Sabonis has given us problems in the past couple of years. So improving. Um, in the four-man area, getting three and D guys, um, anywhere from a slam dunk like uh, Rocco, Robert Covington, um, to signing guys that could just contribute on the defensive end, I think is definitely important. Right. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how things work out because, I mean, teams like the Warriors may be the greatest team ever and still in the finals, basically what the Cavs would do every time is target Steph in the pick and roll and try to get that switch and they had enough versatile defenders outside of him Draymond Andre Iguodala Clay Thompson that they could kind of hide it and they were okay with it so like it'll be interesting to see how the Nets react or respond if teams start targeting Kyrie and pick and roll as well um, so I don't know what your thoughts are on the draft. The Nets may not be in the position to take someone in the draft to address these needs, but are there any, I think the Nets have the 19th pick. I'm not sure on their second rounder, but with the 19th pick in the draft, if there were to, there was no trade available and they were to take someone, is there anyone that you like? Um, or do you just not like my what if scenario? Cause you think it's unrealistic and you think they're for sure probably going to try and trade the pick. Um, yeah. So they actually don't have a second round pick this year. I forget what trade um, they sent it away in, but the first rounder I think is most likely um, a tradable pick. Um, they're probably going to be looking to get some more experience rather than a rookie project that they can't really use. But if they were to take a guy that could contribute right now, I think two guys that we'd be looking at are Sadiq Bay from Villanova, uh, like 3D guy that fits the mold that the Nets would be looking for. And also RJ Hampton seems like he'd be good value dropping off um, that late, he could contribute a bit. Um, right now, he's a really good scorer. He's been playing pro. He has some pro experience. So that would be a guy to look at for the Nets to look at if he drops out late in the draft. Yeah, that makes sense. I think any way to get 
sort of guys on the on the low cheaper and the draft's a great way to do that would be really helpful for sort of solidifying other parts of the rotation i personally am not sure that i love um rj hampton for the nets just because his shot isn't really consistent yet and as you said you're not really trying to develop players right now um sadiq bay could be really interesting um i think if you google sadiq bay draft profile you'll find consistently across the board that it seems to everyone seems to believe that he has a really high floor, meaning that the likelihood of him being an unusable NBA player is extremely low. He won't be an all-star, but he'll definitely be a good role player. Um, two other players that I thought could potentially fit um, were Patrick Williams and Josh Green. So Patrick Williams from Florida State and Josh Green from Arizona. Um, I don't think Patrick Williams will be there at 19. And if Josh Green is there at 19, I'll be pretty upset because I think he would be really good on the Mavs at 18. But anyways, um, Patrick Williams is kind of like 6'9". He could be sort of that like tweener three or four guy that's really athletic and versatile on defense that can probably switch pick and rolls. Um, he's a decent, he's an okay shooter, but um, I think that could be just like a good depth defensive guy and josh green also three and d guy from australia played at arizona um strong six six good shooter um and i'm actually writing a draft profile on him for the smoking cuban so uh check that out as well but um yeah i mean the draft will be interesting it seems like they'll probably try to trade the pick though just to free up some cap space so that they can potentially target some guys in free agency so is there any uh I don't know what your opinions are on how they should maybe create that draft, that, sorry, cap space, if they should. Um, what kind of guys do you think they should target um, in free agency? Um, like I said before, I think four men, big four men that could guard um, versatile players is important. Um, two main guys that, that I think would be unreal at slam dunk signings would be Jeremy Grant and Ibaka. I think Ibaka is especially interesting because um, – Specifically because of the Raptors situation, I think Ujiri is going to look to get rid of... He doesn't really want to pay an old guy like Ibaka however much money that he's going to want um, for the next couple of years. He wants to keep his roster young and make it more versatile. Um, although they, he did carry them in the playoffs against the Celtics in some fashion, I think I don't think they're going to want to pay him that money. I think then you could look at the Nets um, doing a sign trade deal with the Raptors, maybe sending... Dinwiddie or Jared Allen, even I'll talk about that in a little bit, but I think Jared Allen could be a trade piece that they send over um, if they want to do a sign trade with the Raptors. So that's something to look at. And then veterans, like we talked about before on the vet min deal. Um, I think Markeith Morris is a free agent. Uh, he could be a cheap vet, vet minimum guy. He's producing uh, a bit inconsistently with the Lakers, but I think could be a good guy at the end of the roster. Patrick Patterson um, on a vet minimum deal, potentially Jermichael Green, just guys that um, may give up their contract and want to play with the Nets um, for the next year or two. Yeah, I agree. That I know we've talked about this in the past, and you probably are still skeptical about it, but I really think that their best lineup, like in the clutch, and their best lineup is going to be with KD essentially playing the four. But I think like the NBA is pretty positionless now. And if you look at the playoffs right now, um, the Raptors basically played small against mm -hmm. the Celtics. And then the Celtics played Grant Williams as like their biggest guy. Yep. Um, the Lakers, other than Anthony Davis, I mean, they played small, but they're not really small with Anthony Davis and LeBron, but they kind of just let JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, they stopped playing them. And then 
they beat the Rockets essentially at their own game. Um, and then the Heat essentially put five shooters on the court with Bam as their tallest guy, at like yeah. six nine. Um, and then the Bucks play five out with Giannis not really being down low unless he's going to the rim. So I think, and I think if you look back, even the Warriors were playing it with that Hampton five lineup, and then. The Heat with LeBron, they stopped playing Joel Anthony at some points because he was bad and like Bosch was their biggest guy and he was still stretching the floor. So I think it could be interesting to see maybe if they can't get Joe Harris, I mean, maybe like a guy like Jay Crowder could be interesting um, because that could be a really good, I mean, he might want to stay with the Heat. He seems like he's really fits the mold of a Heat player, but um, Jeremy Grant also I love um, and I think that he's probably going to get a lot a lot of money but jeremy grant would be cool um and then crowder is someone that i think a lot of teams in the league will like as well um another player that i think would be really interesting but i think it's like a moonshot like a very low low percent chance there's any way you sign him is malik beasley and he's a restricted free agent i would be very surprised after the whole trade if minnesota doesn't re-sign him but i think he's the type of like scrappy guard that could play with kyrie and essentially guard the one mm-hmm. so like if they're playing the celtics he could lock up kemba or like kyle lowry um just different guards in the east which could be interesting but if we're looking at bigs um there's a world in which i see maybe like an Aaron Baines, Definitely. if they have the money there, he's making like six million a year. And he started to stretch the floor a little bit, but also like he's the type of guy that when he's not on your team, you hate him. Like he just really bothers me. Like I feel like when thinking about the Mavs team, for example, people are talking about like they need someone else to go get in those brawls instead of like Porzingis. Mm-hmm. And like that's a guy that would just like stand up for katie and Kyrie keep them on the floor so that could be something interesting but in order to sign a lot of these guys um or sort of create what they what the nba likes to call big threes um you might have to do that via trade i think you might say well we already have one with karis um but i was curious if you think there's any trade targets or potential trades you would like to see happen um we talked about this a couple times already um but they're definitely gonna be looking for three and D guys. I don't think I really think it's this. It's a really unlikely scenario in that in which Karras is traded. Um, Kevin Durant speaks very highly of him. Uh, ownership and GM Sean Mark speak extremely highly of him. Unless they get a guy like Beal, who probably isn't even going to be available, um, or another superstar. I can't even think of somebody that would be available. Uh, I think Karras will be staying at home. I don't think I talked about before. I don't think he's necessarily a star. Um, he's like second or third tier below that, but he definitely, I think he's going to stay, especially for the contract that he has. Yeah, I agree. And I think that they, there's not, I agree, especially about Beal. Like if anything, they're not going to trade him until like midway through the year. Um, I think, I mean, if I was the ownership group there, the GM, like let's let, I would want to let Beal and Wall like have a go at it, like at least once. And then if it doesn't work, whatever, I mean, they almost made the playoffs with Beal and the G League. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was listening to something and someone called them the Gizzards instead of the Wizards because <laughs> of like the, the G League situation. But one th- trade that I think is really interesting is looking at a lot of like these bad teams in the lower end of the lottery so or mid-lottery. So like Detroit um, or Washington that we just talked about. Um, maybe um, New Orleans. Just teams that 
just want to accumulate draft picks and are okay with taking on a contract like Torian Prince if they can get some picks in return. So let's say you bundle 19, a future pick, and Torian Prince, and you ship them to like Detroit. Um, they don't have any direction right now, and a lot of rebuilding teams will just take on contracts for um, picks, and that could really open up a lot of stuff. I mean, we talked about how Torian Prince um, played really poorly um, this past year, so but he was a decent 3 and D guy, so maybe that's someone that the Wizards would want to take a flyer on with Beal and Wall, and so that would give the Nets a little more space um, to maybe try and throw money at someone. I mean, maybe they're going to use that for Harris. And I think that there's, I don't think there, I agree. And I don't think there's any scenario where they trade um, Dinwiddie or Harris. I think the depth would really suffer on the bench. um, And they're probably going to be cautious with KD coming back after all that blew up with how the Warriors handled that Mm -hmm. um I didn't really think about this until you mentioned it but trading Jared Allen could be interesting teams probably still view him as a high potential guy and I don't know that he's really going to fit in the rotation as I mentioned I think down the stretch they'll probably play smaller and then use DeAndre Jordan and some of the other guys that they have so or sign someone cheaper so that's what I think in terms of trades but now that we've talked about the offseason, if you could choose sort of like one dream roster improvement and then with that, tell me like how that would encompass your dream starting five versus what you actually think like the starting five will be. Yeah, so I think the dream would be sign, a guy, sign either Robert Covington um, or Jeremy Grant. Um, it fits an extreme need that the Nets have and would be an unreal improvement for their starting five. So if you add that, um, you probably assume that Jared Allen and or Spencer Dinwiddie is gone. Um, maybe not Joe Harris, but dream starting five with Jeremy Grant or Robert Covington would be Kyrie, Joe Harris, KD, um, Jeremy Grant, and then DeAndre Jordan is probably going to start. Um, yeah. After Jock Vaughn took over the job, he immediately switched Jared Allen from the starting rotation. And that seemed to be the sentiment from Steve Nash and the other stars as well. Um, Kyrie. And KD wanted DeAndre Jordan to come, not to sit on the bench. Uh, they really wanted him to be in the starting role. Um, so that was definitely uh, the biggest change I saw immediately when Jacques Vaughn took over. Um, I also think Karras, or Steve Nash was asked about Karras. It was one of the first questions he was asked when he was hired, what he thought Karras' role would be. Um, and he said that he sees him in a managing nobly type role, being a primarily ball handler down the stretch, being that sixth man that, gets more minutes than maybe one of the starters, but also uh, takes over in the final minutes, can also really lead the second team and be that primary scorer that they need. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you talked about in terms of the starting lineup. I think before this, when I was like researching and sort of trying to do my dream, like if I'm playing NBA 2K and I'm doing a franchise and I'm trying to have my best lineup, I sort of thought of it as like the most clutch lineup, like what I want down the stretch in the fourth quarter. And so what I thought about that was like, everything goes well. Don't worry about the bench because it's the last six minutes of the game. It's Kyrie, Joe Harris, um, Karis LeVert, Jeremy Grant, and KD. And no one's stopping you there. I mean... You can switch basically everything. You have enough of those strong guys that can sort of cover Kyrie on defensive teams, target him. But with that being said, 
whether or not you have that dream starting five or you just roll with the guys that you currently have, I think for the Nets, no matter what, the answers to these questions might be the same. So I'm curious what you think for next season, best case scenario, worst case scenario, and maybe one of them is what you think is realistic, but what would be realistic if not? Yeah, so the best case is definitely a championship. Um, It's what they sign these guys for. When you have KD and Kyrie on your team, you're always going for a championship. Um, And that's their goal. Um, They've they've been blunt about it. Um, I think it's pretty obvious to everybody the Nets are going to be a contender next year. So the championship is definitely the best case scenario. Worst case scenario would be losing in the semifinals or conference finals. Um, It'd be a real disappointment if they didn't make the finals. So um, that would be a clear disappointment for them. And finally, my realistic opinion on it is that they will make the finals. I think this year the East is the most wide open that it will be. Uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum are emerging as superstars, but I don't think they're quite at that level yet. Toronto was a really good team this year, great regular season team, uh, but didn't really have that X factor in the playoffs to make it to the finals, take it to the next level. The Bucks clearly had uh, a poor offseason or poor postseason. Um, we don't really know what direction they're going to go in unless they get another really solid guy, maybe Trey Middleton or like sign somebody different. I don't think that they're going to be a contender. And then Philly's just in shambles. So I think that this next season is definitely the year that the Nets will be looking to make the finals. And that's realistic for them. Yeah, I think championship or bust is definitely the right way to look at it. Um, And I'm excited to see what Steve Nash does as a coach as well. Um, but with their current roster, like how do you see it sort of compared to the rest of the other 32 teams? If you're asking me, I say it's probably top three. Um, if you're a hater, maybe top five, but you go as far as your best players will take you. And the combination of Katie and Kyrie is definitely a top three combo in the league. So I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Uh, Lakers and Clippers are obviously two of the top teams in the league. Uh, they are this year. I say it every year. LeBron's going, growing older, but he still continues to perform at a, a level that is the best player in the league. So uh, I'm not going to knock on him for getting older. I think I'm going to keep um, counting on him to produce until he doesn't. So I think the Lakers will be elite, especially with Anthony Davis back next season. He has to resign, but I think he will. Um, and the Clippers are obviously elite with Paul George and Kawhi. So definitely top three. I think they could win with this team, though. Yep, I agree. And I think this question also might be slightly different for the Nets than it would be for other teams, just because they're kind of in win-now mode. But if you were to sort of have an outlook on like the next five to ten years, like what does that look like for the Nets? Um, and what are your thoughts? What would like? What do you think will happen? Uh, yeah, so... Like you said, um, best players take you as far as they want. They can produce. Um, I think they're title contenders until KD and Kyrie are gone. They're going to be here. They said they want to be here for the long haul. I know Kyrie said that in Boston, but now he's really home um, and he's he's happy to be in Brooklyn. So I think for the next three, three maybe four years, they'll be title contenders. Um, after that, I'm not really – Sure, well, they'll, where they'll go, they'll still have Karras for the next three, four years as well. So hopefully he sticks, stays at home. I'd be happy if he did. Um, and after that, I'm not really sure. I think it's too far advanced to predict, but definitely KD and Kyrie will set the character, the championship character mentality for the next three or four years, and hopefully they can sustain it for longer than that. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. Um, you know that I'm not the biggest Kyrie supporter, but 
we don't have to go in circles here. So yeah. we'll just move on and say that they probably will win a championship or be in the finals at some point in the next three years or not. So I feel like something really wrong happened. So um, I think my final uh, question on the Nets is on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being, oh my God, this is my dream job. And one being, oh no, there's no way I could fix this. Like, get me the heck out of here. Um, where would you rank um, being the GM of this franchise right now? I think um, a year past signing KD Kyrie, Sean Marks has excelled, even surpassed any expectations that were to have him. I think uh, he had a good plan and it all went and all executed perfectly. Um, so I think maybe last year it would have been a 10. I think this year it's about a nine. He still has to do, he has some contracts he has to work with. They're a little difficult. Um, and he needs, it's a lot of pressure to build a championship team, especially in the short window they have. So I think it's exciting, um, but it is a little difficult. So I'll give it a nine for now. Yeah. So I'm going to look at it in terms of like me. So if I was the GM, I think I would put like this on as an eight only because what how would you not want to be like in the front office of a championship contending team exactly. the only reason why i can't give it a 10 is because with that i think there's a lot a lot of added pressure like if you don't win you lose your job probably yep, in definitely. like two years mm -hmm. and so i don't i guess you can't like scared money don't make money but still like i'm, I'm a little <laughs> scared with that but um I think that that's all we have for today in terms of the Nets. So um, with that, I'll let you say any uh, closing words that you want to say. Yeah, I'm excited for this uh, podcast to get up and running. Um, I obviously enjoyed t talking about my Nets today, but I'm looking forward to learning more about other teams' situations. Um, I think we, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. I had a good time here today. Yeah, uh, sure. So two more shameless plugs. Um, one Again, follow us on Twitter, Noah R56 and Ezra Levitt with two A's at the end of Ezra and two T's at the end of Levitt. And my second plug is uh, check out the smokingcuban.com. I'm, I'm a contributor for that. Would love to see you guys looking at some of my articles. And with that, I say good night, good evening, good afternoon, um, whatever time of the day it is that you're listening to this. If you made it this far, I don't know if I should say thank you or I'm sorry, but other than that, um, thanks. And we'll see you on the next episode. Um, probably we'll talk about the Mavs, so it can be my turn. But uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you.